Ephesians 5, and I'll ask you to stand with me for just a moment. Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to talk about music. We're not going to get through this entire study tonight. This is going to be probably something that runs through, what is this, end of September right now? I would say at least through about Thanksgiving time, uh, and maybe uh, into December we'll see. Uh, now, some of you are going to remind me of this in January when we're still into it, and you're going to go, wait, you said we'd be done. Uh, so we'll see how long it takes, but ultimately my goal is not to cram a bunch of information down your throat, but rather give you some things in bite-sized amounts that will help you understand why this subject is so important, um, and, and, and help you understand that there's a reason why we sing the songs that we do, um, and, 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 and there's some things that I hope through all of this you'll see that are scripturally, listen to me, black and white, not just gray, as a lot of people think about this subject, so that you can be better grounded in something that God considers to be a very important subject in your Bible. Can I remind you, the longest book in your Bible is the book of Psalms, which is a musical book. That's not a coincidence, all right? Ephesians chapter 5, look if you would at verse number 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. That's talking about the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made that God accepted that he would not accept from a sinner. No differently than Cain trying to offer up his sacrifice, and God said, no thanks, and he accepted Abel's. When someone is trying to reach God by their own good works, God says, no thanks, I'll take my son. Right? So that's your reading in verses 1 and 2. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saint. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance. All right, the cross-reference to that is Galatians 5.21 it does not mean that if someone commits one of these sins, they can't go to heaven. It means they'll have no inheritance at the judgment seat of Christ. They'll get no rewards because they would have lost them due to living in the flesh. I want you to get that. It doesn't mean you lose your salvation. Thank God for that. But it does mean you lose rewards as a result. Look at verse 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things... What are the, these things? The, the covetousness, the fornication, the idolatry, what he mentioned prior to that... But because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye, therefore, partakers with them. There's a difference between ministry versus hanging out. You need to minister to lost people. You don't need to hang out and do the same stuff they're doing. You will not help them by becoming like them. All right? You know what they'll do? They'll laugh at you when you talk about Jesus if you live just like they do. They'll say, what are you talking to me about my sin? Look at how you're living. You're living just like I am. Hey, anybody ever gotten? Don't raise your hand. I, I, I can tell you this. I, I've been there when I was a young person trying to fit in with the crowd, and then I try to bring up Jesus, and they don't listen. I'm like, I don't get it. That's why. Okay? Now look at verse number 8. For you were sometimes, you were, past tense, sometimes darkness, all right? Uh, but, but now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Now, I want you to get verse 10. I want you to underline it, highlight it, something, because we are going to come back to that verse over and over and over and over in this study. 
all right? Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Not what you like, not what I like, not what the church says. What is acceptable unto the Lord, all right? Now, now your entire life should be that. As a born-again Christian, if you're saved, your entire life should be what is acceptable unto God. Not what is acceptable unto my peers or what does my family say. Or, but when you turn on music as an example or you are speaking as an illustration or you are giving as an illustration or you're doing something in this life, you should go, is this acceptable unto the Lord? Is the manner in which I'm doing this right before God? And you may think, well, it doesn't matter. I'll do it my own way. We'll find out that does not work well in the Bible. Proving what is acceptable in the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are on Facebook. (laughs) Amen. All right. Uh, there's There's some things that are being publicized today in our society that used to be kept secret. And God says those things are shameful. But all things that are reproved were made manifest by the light. That's why you need to be a light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly. That means this. When you, you know what a circumference is? It's the area around a circle. Circumspectly means here's a, a bad thing that's going to mess me up in life. I shouldn't just walk right into it like this. You know, I should... I should walk around. Are you getting it? I should walk around it, all right? In other words, I don't want to be a fool. I should learn how to have discernment, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. If you're going to have discernment in this life, part of it is understanding what's acceptable to God for your life and understanding what God's will is for your life, all right? Now, look what he says in verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You know what's associated with being filled with the Spirit? Look at verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Those are three kinds of music that God says he wants you to be involved in. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Uh, Brother Joe, if you'd ask God's blessing on the study, we'd appreciate it. Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. Let me just say this. This is not just a study on the technical matters of music. We will get into uh, rhythm and we'll get into melody and we'll get into harmony and and all the things that that, that make music what it is and what what makes good music and and what the Bible has to say about the origins of music. We'll look at that, hopefully, Lord willing, tonight. Uh, But besides music, it's about it's not just about music. It's about understanding the will of God for your life. You need to learn to have discernment. 
And as you grow as a believer, that's one of the earmarks of a mature believer is being able to listen to something and go, something's off there. Being able to turn the TV on and go, I know what they're saying, but that doesn't jive with the Spirit of God inside of me. Something is off with that messaging, and whatever that is, it's my job to figure that out. You say, what is that? It's a matter of having discernment, and that's a matter of you having your, as it says in Hebrews, having your spiritual senses exercised. How do you, how do you grow in exercise? You do it over and over and over and over, and so the goal is for you to understand what the will of God is in every area of your life. If you're talking about marriage, you should know what God's will for your life is in regards to marriage. If you're talking about your job, you should know what God says about work. If you're talking about raising children, you should know what God says about raising children. If you're talking about music, you should not just say arbitrarily, I like this, I don't like this, and that's the end of the story. You should go, God, do you have anything at all to say about the subject of music? And we're going to find out he absolutely does. Uh, Look at Romans chapter 12. Keep your hand in Ephesians 5. We'll come back to it. About Romans chapter number 12. You are uh, supposed to, to understand that you are different from this world. You are not to be conformed to this world. And you are to be a living sacrifice for the Lord. All right, in the Old Testament, they would bring a sacrifice that would be consumed on the altar, and it would be burnt with fire, and that would be the end of that sacrifice, and they had to do that over and over and over and over and over, and we thank God that Jesus Christ is the once for all, all all-encompassing sacrifice for our sins. Thank God for that. However, you as a born-again Christian are intended to live your life in such such a fashion where you say, God, my life is not mine anymore, it's yours. So God, if you say a certain thing about music, I want to know what that is because, as we learned in the weeks prior, I want to learn to submit to the authority of your word. Are you with me? Look at Romans chapter 12, Romans 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living now listen, you don't present your soul a living sacrifice. You know why? Your soul's all right. It's been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ if you're saved. You don't have to present your spirit. It's your body is the issue, amen? It is the flesh. It is the old nature. So God says, hey, I want you to learn to submit this to me in every single area of your life. He wants you to present your body a living sacrifice. Watch it, holy, and look at the next word. What's the next word after Holy acceptable acceptable unto who it's not what you think and it's not what i think it's what does god think what is acceptable with god let me just say this guys uh music has been around for a long time we're going to find out about this tonight it was around before man music was not made for man music was made for god and if music was made for God, then you should sit back. Listen, some of you will go, there's only one Bible, there's only one Savior, there's only one baptism, there's only one real church, there's only one body of Christ, there's only one of all these things. And then when it comes to music, you're like, ah, whatever. How does that work? It, it, the answer is this, it doesn't. Listen, it's not up to me to decide what I think is good in my life as much. Now, listen, I choose what's going to happen in my life. That is on me, but it's on me as a Christian to say, God, I want you to show me what's good for my life, and I want you to declare to me from the scriptures, and when you do that, I will do what you're showing me. That is what is called living 
a, a being a living sacrifice unto the Lord. Look at verse number two of this chapter. And be not conformed to this what? You know, Paul says, the fashion of this world passeth away. All right? You know what's really interesting about music? Uh, people say the hymns are outdated. Man, I'll tell you what's outdated. 80s music is outdated. 90s music is outdated. 2000s music is outdated. It changes constantly. So it can't, the measuring stick can't be pop culture. If it's pop culture, man, it's going to change every single couple years. You got to go, okay, Lord, what, what is it? Not what do I want, not what do I like. Let's be honest. Some of you, based on where you were raised, how you grew up, some of you like, you know, you're bleeding hard. Won't let me. No, 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 no. You like that, that you know, that, that country twang. And some of you like, just when you hear someone howl like that, it makes you want to throw up. And then some of you would be like, hip hop, hooray, ho, hey, ho. Some of you 90s kids are like, Ooh. You didn't even, you, I saw Mr. Neal back, yeah, yeah. Because there are things that appeal to your nature by culture, by other things. Listen, there are things that appeal to me by culture that I like. And I'm not saying everything that you like is bad, but should you not at some point go, okay, am I doing this simply because I like it or because God likes it? Like at some point you should ask yourself, does God like this? All right. And so again, we're not, I'm not going to get up here and say, you know, this, this genre of music is bad and this genre of music is good. What I'm going to do is I'm going to challenge you to learn by the scriptures to have discerning of ear to be able to listen to something and go, okay, is that something that can minister the fruit of righteousness and peace in my life? The things that I learned a few weeks ago about the fruit of the Spirit, can, can I get those things? Can I get long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and meekness and faith and temperance out of the music that I'm pumping into my ears and into my mind and into my heart day in and day out? And if you can't, at some point you got to say, Lord, help me. Okay? So, again, the study is not going to be so much what is Pastor Adrian like, what is New Heights Baptist Church like, but more so, what does God have to say about this subject? All right? So, again, I want you to think about a couple of things as we go through this. The largest book in the Bible is a musical book. It's the book of Psalms. All right? Now, we're, we're commanded. We're not requested. All right? We are commanded by God to sing. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but there's a, a particular uh, predominant religion in the world that says that uh, uh, the God <laughs> forbids singing uh, and, and forbids music. What a crazy thing. You can get kids that are one year, a year old, two years old, and they'll hear music and all of a sudden they're doing something. They respond to it. All right? There's something in us that relates to the language of music, which we'll talk about later. But I want you to understand, you're commanded by God to sing. He tells you in Ephesians 5.19, singing unto yourselves psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That is a command. And if God's commanded you to sing, what that tells you is this subject matters. All right? And let me say this. Worship is something that God deserves and something the devil craves from humanity. Look at Matthew chapter 4. I think everybody understands that God deserves worship. I don't know that I have to give you scripture on that. But over there in Revelation chapter 4, it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Let me ask you a question. Is music something that was created? Okay, and we're going to find out who, who kind of brought it to us, all right, where it comes from. It was there before man was around, and God gave it for his worship. 
That was the original intent. We're going to see that. But the point is this. If all things were created by him and all things were made for his pleasure, for, the, for his pleasure they are and were created, that in, includes the subject of music. All right? God deserves our worship, but the devil craves it from mankind. Uh, look at Matthew chapter number four. Do you guys remember? We're going to look at, the, the, at this later on. But do you guys remember the whole situation with the golden calf? Do you remember what was going on there? There was some music going on. And I guarantee to you it wasn't, this is my story, this is my song. It was probably something that got them to want to get naked. Because after all, that's what they did. I don't think I'm reading too much into the scripture there. I'm not even going to tell you that I know what song or what music it was, but I know this much. It wasn't something that got their foot to tap as much as it was something that got something else to move. All right, because there are different, the, different uh, pieces of music, and we're going to learn this later. When one part of the music dominates, all right, it can take over, and that part that can take over is a part of you that you want to submit to God, which is your flesh. All right? So look, if you would, at Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, and look, if you would, at verse number 8. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Before I read the next verse, let me say this. Um, again, I cannot emphasize this enough. We all have different preferences. We all have different opinions. We all have different likes. And what I'm asking you to do is kind of just leave it at the door for a moment. And all your prejudices and all of your preconceived notions about this subject, if we could just leave those at the door, kind of like when you walk into uh, the home of a Korean individual, you take your shoes off right away, amen? All right, so let's do that for the Lord tonight. And let's leave our prejudices and our opinions at the door and just go, okay, Lord, let, I just want to learn about this subject. God, would you teach me? And let the Lord teach you. And, and look, if you're 100% above the board and things are right in your life here, there should be no problem. You should enjoy the lesson. All right, look at uh, Matthew 4, and look, if you would, at verse uh, number 10. Uh, verse number uh, 9, rather. And he said to them, all these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down, and what? All right, we are surrounded by music because we are musical creatures because our creator is musical. So we're going to ask ourselves questions like, does music affect us? You ever listen to something and it just kind of depresses you? Yeah. Um, now, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to pick on your favorite music, but if you can remember, I'll, I'll, this is going back to my day. I don't know what's going on 100% right now, but remember, everybody remember Kurt Cobain? Yeah. Man, that, that stuff, the way you like it or not, it's not the point. That stuff's dark. There's kind of like a dark tone to it. It kind of gets you kind of like, uh, everybody hates me. I'm going to eat worms and die. All right? And and even if you don't know what I'm talking about, all right, don't go Google. Some of you are, you know, 15 years old. You're like, what's Kurt Cobain? Don't worry about it, all right? Uh, But but the the point is, all right, uh, the, the point is this. Music has power to affect you. It has power to lift you up. It has power to encourage you. It has power to depress you. It has power to make you sentimental. All right? Uh, There are commercials that will come on. They'll play certain music, and it can get you sentimental about what's going on. Uh, I don't know who it is. Maybe it's Sarah McLaughlin. I'm not sure. But there's some lady that does a commercial about dogs that are mistreated. You know what I'm talking about? In, In the arms of an angel, right? And everyone's like, I just want to rescue a dog. Oh, God. Right? Now, think about it. Why is that? Because it appeals to your emotions. And I'm not even saying that 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 in and of itself is bad. What I'm saying is 
you have to be cognizant of it. So if music can appeal to your emotions, you have to be careful about what kind of emotions it is, is it appealing to. Right? All right? So let me, let me ask you this. And don't, don't raise your hand. For those that have spent time in nightclubs before you got saved or right with God, do they play the kind of music you hear at church? No. Are the lights on? No. Okay, ask yourself, why is that? Why does darkness go with that kind of music? Why would they not play? You know what would kill the mood at a nightclub? Turn the lights on and start singing hymns. That would kill the stinking mood. Am I right? All right, so, 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 so you have to think about that. If music has the power to appeal to your mood, not words, just music, that you need to be aware of these kinds of things, all right? And let me say this, every bad thing is a good thing twisted. Now, if you get defensive right now, you go, I'm just not going to, I know where you're going, you're going to take away my music, and I don't like that. Calm down. I'm not here to take away your music as much as I am to point you to what the Bible says about music. What you do with it from there is completely up to you. All right? But my, you know what the Bible says? Paul said this, I shun not to declare to you all the counsel of God. You know what that means? If, there's, if the Bible talks about money, I should tell you about money. If the Bible talks about family, I should tell you about family. If the Bible talks about, about the local church, I should talk about the local church. If the Bible talks about music, and it absolutely does, we should explore that together. And that's the goal of this study. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. All right, I hope you take some notes tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. By the way, if you would pray for Miss Cindy, as I'm thinking about this, she had some stuff injected into her eyes, and, and it's really taken her for a spin. Uh, if uh, you just pray for her, I greatly I meant to say that earlier. I'd really appreciate that. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And let me just ask this question. Does the music itself speak, or is it just the words? Now, now, now this is, a, this is a, uh, a question that's kind of important at the forefront of all of this. Okay? Is it only about the words, or is the music itself important as well? All right? Now, some of you are going, well, I think, I think I know where you're leading with this, but I don't know that I necessarily agree or understand, so let me help you out. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Again, just looking at some scripture, all right, and, and showing you some things about what God says about this subject. Now, the context of 1 Corinthians 14, to be very transparent, is the subject of speaking in tongues. But what Paul does is he uses musical instruments as an illustration of something. And in this passage, there's a little nugget in here about the subject of music. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Look, if you would, at verse number 6. All right. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? And this is, the Bible says tonight is not about tongues. If you have questions about that, we can answer those later. And even things without life, giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? You know what he's trying to tell you? That musical instruments, which are lifeless and inanimate objects, depending on how they are used, they give a distinct sound depending on who is using them and what they're using them for. Did you get that? Uh, a distinction in the sounds. Now, uh, let me say this. For those of you that are musicians, you might understand this even better than someone that's not a musician. You can take an instrument and play it a certain way, and the sound of what you're doing, no words involved at all. All right, let, let, me, let, me, let me ask this question. All right, um, you're watching, let's say you're watching a, a thriller, right, or a scary movie or something like that, you know, and, and, and 
all of a sudden, you know, of course, you know, the, the single 20-something-year-old girl has to go check out what that sound is by herself right. with no gun and no protection whatsoever. And she goes to the door, and the door creaks. And as the door, listen, listen. And as that's going on, in the background, it's going, is anyone saying anything? Is the music letting you know what's about to happen? There are times where I'll be watching a show with my kids, you know, some, some cute show, you know, and then the bad guy comes and they go, dun, dun, dun. And I'm like, ooh, he looks like a good guy. And they're like, no, dad, he's the bad guy. I'm like, and, I'm, you know, I'm just playing with him. But you know, without any, any storyline or narrative, because the music that's being played. So, so music, without any words, tells you certain, it's conveying a message, all right? You need to get a hold of that. Uh, look at verse number eight. For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? You know what he says? There were certain trumpet sounds that when they're blown, you guys ever heard, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, Revere, Revere, Revere uh, the, the word, uh, the... Reverie, thank you so much. I always want to say that the wrong way. Uh, reverie, and that thing gets you up in the morning, right? When you hear that, do you go, it's time for sleep? <laughs> Making me sleepy, I'm really tired. No, that tells you it's time to get up. No one's saying a word. The trumpet is, the bugle is being played in a certain way to let you know it's time for action. And that's what Paul's trying to say, is that the music itself is speaking. All right, and, and that's kind of what the goal is tonight is to understand the music is speaking. All right, look at Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4, the music does speak to you. All right, now, now I'm, again, you got, if you walk out here and say, Pastor Adrian said all music is bad, you're not listening to what I'm saying. And I swear, there have been times I've preached on certain subjects, and someone walks out and they get all mad and they say, you said this. I'm like, we can watch it on YouTube if you'd like to right now. But I didn't say that. Because what happens is people get preconceived ideas in their mind about a subject, and music, let's be honest, guys, music for a lot of people is kind of like, this is my baby. You can preach to me about this and this and this, but leave this alone. At our church, I don't want there to be any golden calves. Any, there should be nowhere in your life where you're like, okay, you can touch anything you want, God, but leave that one alone. All right? that, that's where you stop growing as a Christian. All right? Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 4, what I hope to be able to do is cause you to stand back and just think. Think. All right? Why is it that TikTok is so popular? Right. Now, you may go, well, those cat videos are or something, all right? <laughs> well, okay, but, but a lot of that stuff, it, there's music being played. There's times where they got words flashed on the screen and the girl's like, yeah. right, whatever. You know, <laughs> points here and the, the word bubble comes up here, points here. You understand? And there's music playing. Well, why is it so popular? Because... Without that music, it'd be really weird of her just jumping around with nothing going on. Right? All right, so, so look at Revelation chapter 4. Uh, again, in, in Revelation chapter 4, to give you some context, is John, the author of the book of Revelation, uh, being given a, a, a picture of the rapture of the church. Uh, chapter 3 is the last mention of the churches. Uh, they were mentioned in Asia Minor. They were mentioned in chapter 2 and 3. After that, there's no mention of those churches anymore. Chapter 4 is a picture of the rapture. Look at verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a what? 
Now, now this is technically the voice of God, and I, that is in and of itself a Bible study. You can go back to Exodus chapter 19 and read about this, and it'll blow your mind, the, 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 the pictures and the symbology that's there. Uh, awesome stuff. I don't have time to get into all that. I simply want to show you that the trumpet has a voice, and it's speaking. That's what voices do. Voices speak messages, okay? And the idea is this, is that the voice of any instrument is going to carry a message. It might be excitement, all right? Let, let me ask you this. Um, what, what, let, let, let's do this. Uh, Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came. Do you hear the, the sobriety in that? All right. How about this one? The cross, it standeth fast. Hallelujah, hallelujah, defying. It's like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Neither of them are wrong, but one is getting you to kind of just think about who Jesus Christ is. And one is getting you ready to go, man, let's do this. We're on the right side. Let's go to the battle. Who's with me, right? And, and, and so the idea is even within church, even within the hymns, there is that. Without the words, you would hear that. All right. So the idea is this. Uh, the, the, there's a voice associated. Look at Exodus 19. I told you we wouldn't go there. But we're going to go there anyways. Exodus chapter 19, second book in your Bible. Exodus chapter 19. And uh, you say, what's going on? Uh, Moses is uh, on top of a mountain. Uh, Exodus 19, look if you would at verse number 16. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning. Now, I get excited about this because it's a picture of something. And if one day with the Lord is is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day, uh, that that third day is getting ready for the, the millennial reign of Jesus Christ and Him coming down. And look, if you would, at verse 16, it's in the morning, right after the tribulation, that the period of darkness, that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount, and watch it. And the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. You know what they heard? They heard a trumpet. You know what Moses heard? He heard the voice of God. Amen. Now, Now, what I'm getting at is this, is when that trumpet went off, all right, look, look at, uh, look at the, the response in verse 16 at the end of the verse. They're not dancing around a calf. You know what they're doing? They're shaking in their boots. It was scary. You know what the Bible says? Our God is a consuming fire. Whatever that thing sounded like, it brought some fear to them. Let me go, well, why would God want that? He wanted his people to understand his holiness. All right, so the idea is, did anyone actually say any words? Was any song actually sung? No. But a musical sound was created that caused fear. So the idea is this, music itself carries a message. If you say the music itself doesn't matter, you're ignoring things that are reality, not even about the Bible, but about human nature itself. Right. And of course, once you dig into the Bible, it's absolutely there. Now go back to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. If the music carries a message... Um, you ought to be able to prove if that message is the right one for you. Not all messages are ones that you should be listening to. Amen. And not all messages are ones that you should be speaking. Uh, look at Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to go back to where we started this evening. Ephesians chapter 5. 
And uh, look down, if you would, at verse number 10. I told you we're going to come back over and over and over to this verse. Uh, Luda says, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Again, in this area of your life, you should seek to prove are the messages that I'm hearing. Now, now think about this. Uh, what it takes, there are percussion instruments and then there are wind instruments. Do you know what wind instruments take? They take breath. All right. So so think about this. I was talking with Brother Jose about this. Uh, you, you guys, uh, many of you already know this, but uh, the transliteration of the Greek word for spirit is this right here in English. All right. You ever heard of a pneumatic drill? All right. What is a pneumatic drill? What does it operate on? Air. Right. All right. And so, you know what pneuma is? It's spirit. John chapter three. Remember that passage where he says, uh, anyone that's born of the Spirit of God is like this. The, bl- the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou canst not tell from whence it cometh or whither it goeth, uh, and thou, but thou canst hear the sound thereof, right? He's telling you, listen, this is the moving of the Spirit, and he's associating it with wind or with air, all right? And so what you have to understand is this, is that music itself carries a certain kind of spirit. Sometimes it's an uplifting spirit. Sometimes it's a happy spirit. Sometimes it's a sober spirit. Sometimes it can be a depressing spirit. Sometimes it can be a spirit of anger. There's some music, I, I tell you right now, if I listen to it, oh, I'll get angry. Absolutely. It's made to get you angry. That, that's why before sporting events, they play it. <laughs> right? You know? Get you all riled up. You know, oh, I'm going to hate them to rip their heads off. You know, ah. you know get, you, get you ready for that. Now, now listen, if you want to listen to it before you go fight someone in football or whatever else, go knock yourself out. If you're going to listen to that on a steady diet all the time, that's not healthy for you. The, the whole point is you have to be careful because the music itself carries a spirit. We're going to see this later on in the study, but you have to be careful because you need to understand there are a number of spirits in this world, and they're not all of the Lord. The Lord is the Holy Spirit, all right? But the Bible speaks of unclean spirits. The Bible speaks of a spirit of jealousy, the Bible speaks of a spirit of covetousness. The Bible speaks of a spirit of uncleanness. There's all kinds of spirits mentioned in your Bible. And if music itself is brought through the, the working of a spirit, then you have to be mindful of that. And you have to go, okay, what kind of spirit is involved here? And again, it doesn't mean it's all bad. If, you're, if, you're, if, you, if you have uh, taken the, the defensive posture that Pastor Adrian thinks all music is bad, you're not hearing me. What I am saying is you need to have discernment. And you need to understand that not all of it's good. And let me, let me ask you this, guys, real quick. If I were to take a, uh, a bag of marijuana, I can't believe this is a debatable subject these days, but it is for some people, all right? Some uh, good old-fashioned peyote, all right? Some, uh, some of the, the nice grass that you can get at the, the Green Dragon or wherever else. And, and I put that in a little baggie, and I, I wrote on that thing, uh, Christian marijuana. I put a cross on it. Okay, then why do you do it with music? Without ever questioning it. I'm not saying all Christian music today is bad. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying do you ever question it? Do you ever, as the Bible says, try the spirits, whether they are of God? Because if you don't, you're just going, well, I'm just going to turn it on. Listen, you need to understand this. You're not in a church that thinks all modern music is bad. But you're also not in a church that thinks that everything that's new is good. All right, some new things aren't so good. 
the stuff, the, the excuse my, my, my language here, the crap they're trying to cram down our kids' throats about sexuality that they're putting in schools today, that's not good. Yeah. All right? It, and, 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 so, and so you have to understand, just because it's new doesn't mean, and you know where that thing started? It started with, you know, do whatever you want, free sex and love in the 60s, and then it became, you know, in the 90s, uh, 80s and 90s, let's teach, teach kids about safe sex because if we don't do that, then they're going to, you know, be promiscuous anyways. And then in the 2000s, it became something else. It became let's tolerate people that, that want to go in this direction. And now it's, hey, man, uh, it doesn't matter if the teachers are grooming the kids. It's their job to do it, and you have nothing to say about it. It's all messed up. It's all messed up. But it's gradual. Music is the same way because there's a spirit behind it. And again, it's not always a bad spirit, but you have to be mindful of that. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You may go, I don't need to prove anything to nobody. Can, can, I, can I gently and graciously say that's the language of a fool? You don't have to prove it to me, but you do need to prove it to the Lord. Now look what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 in uh, verse number 16. Rejoice evermore. You ought to be the happiest person at work. When they're complaining about the boss, you should go, yeah, but at least we got a job, right? Amen, brother. (laughs) That's where I lost some of you. You should be the happiest person at work. I'm serious. Uh, No one should rejoice more than you. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. This is good advice. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ. We're learning about the will of God for our lives. All right, quench not the spirit, verse 19. In other words, when the Spirit of God is moving in your life, don't stop it. Let Him do what He needs to do. Despise not prophesying. That means you ought to enjoy preaching. You ought to love it and look forward to it. And then lastly, look at verse 21. Prove some things. Is that what your Bible says? Does that include music? I hope it does because it says all. And if you're to prove all things, that means you should prove what's right and what's not right. Now, you may or may not remember, remember the story in 1 Samuel 17 where uh, David goes out and he goes out to, to bring food to his brothers and uh, Saul sees him there and David's all excited. He's like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He should defy the armies of the living God. And Saul's like, hey, man, if you got to be quiet. You're going to keep talking that way. They're going to fa- want to fight you. And David's like, yeah, I want to fight him. And Saul's like, let me give you my armor. And he puts it on him and it's like three sizes too big. And David's like, whoa, 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 I can't use this. Why? Because I have not proven this yet. In other words, I have not tried this. I, I, ever order something online, a piece of clothing, and then you get it? And you're like, this is not how it looked in the picture. <laughs> that's because that's a model, okay, people? That's why it doesn't look like that on us, all right? We're not models, right? So, so you go, I, I, try, I didn't get to try it on. I got it, and I tried it on, and once I got it, I realized I've already paid for this. I don't like it. I want to ship it back, all right? Listen, in your life, you should be trying things before jumping into them spiritually. And you have to understand this. You are a spiritual being before you are a physical one. Oftentimes, when people think about their lives, they think about this and what they can see and hear and touch and smell and taste. But there's a spirit in you. (laughs) All right? And if you're a born-again Christian, the Holy Spirit is residing there, but He still allows your human spirit to make choices in your life. And one of those choices that you make oftentimes is what are you going to allow into your heart and into your mind? Look at Galatians chapter number four, Galatians four. We're really not getting into the subject of music too heavy tonight as much as we are. are, What am I supposed to do in my life? How do I know the will of God? You need to prove things. 
and discern things, and you do that through the Scriptures. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4. Look, if you would, at verse number 30, the very beginning of that verse. This is the question you need to ask yourself tonight. Not what do I think, what do I like, uh, what does a brother so-and-so say about it, but what does God say about it? Now, look, if God is silent about something, I mean, uh, listen, um, you know, if you want to be Amish, you're like, well, the Bible doesn't mention toilets, so we're not going to have one. All right, that, that's not what we mean by that, okay? What, what I mean is this, if there is liberty in the sense that it's an area simply of conscience, all right, where God gives you the liberty to engage in something, it's not labeled as right or wrong, it's just a matter of you have the opportunity to take this job or take this job, you've got liberty there, you have to pray on it, all right? There's no thing in the Bible that says you must take this job. Am I right about that? So you have liberty in that area. You've got to pray over it. But there are some principles that are black and white that we're going to look at about the subject of music that I think will help you understand where this should fit in your life. But there's two kinds of Christians. There's one that says, what does the Bible say? And there's one that says, the Bible's silent. What that really means is I don't want to know what God says about it. I'd rather be ignorant. <laughs> All right? If it's black and white, I want to know. Now, you may go, I'm not sure yet. Hopefully, I get to show you some things that are black and white from the Scriptures. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, when it comes to this subject, there are some things that I got to tell you, I, I don't fully understand. I don't. And I'm going to tell you, I'll do the best I can to tell you the things that I do that are black and white from the Bible, so you can at least have an outline and a guide for you. All right? But let me just say this. It's not all gray. I think there's some things in our lives that we want to say are gray, but they're not. And that's just a way of not having to, to, to deal with it. You should ask yourself, what does God like? Do you ever do that? Do you ever say, God, do you like this music? God, do you like my friends? God, do you like what I'm looking at? God, do you like what I'm watching? Lord, do you like what I'm saying? Do you ever ask yourself what God likes? Do, do, you, know, do you know what idolatry is? Idolatry is you making something bigger than God. And you know oftentimes who the idol is in your life? It's you. And you go, what do I like? What do I prefer? What do I think? What do I want? What do I? Instead of going, God, what do you like? All right? Does it bl- I've heard people say this. Well, I like this music because it's a blessing to me. Does it bless God? Do you know what blesses the Lord? Uh, let me ask you a question. Now, this is maybe a little off topic, but do you know that God laughs at some things? He does. Do you know that God gets angry about some things? So here's my question. Do you know what those things are? Do you get angry about the things God gets angry about? And do you laugh about the things that God laughs about? Because oftentimes, if we're honest, we laugh about the things he gets upset about, and we get offended about the things he laughs about. And so what your job as a Christian is to go, okay, God, I'm going to take my life, and I'm going to align it. Not so much, does it please me? Do I get something? Do you guys remember the story of Samson? You know what Samson says to his parents about this lost uh, Philistine girl? He He says, get her for me. Dude, it ain't Amazon. That's not how relationships work. <laughs> a me-like woman, you get her for me. I mean, that's kind of what it was. Get her for me. Why? She pleaseth me well. Not she pleases God. Not this is right. Not this is God's direction, but I like it. That was the road that led him down to eventually his death. You know the story of Samson? And you say, what was his problem? It was all about his own way. Now, you may like, you may like, you know... I did it my way, right? Oh, blue eyes, Frankie Sinatra. Uh, I'll, I'll at least say this much for that generation. 
They understood the difference between a man and a woman. That much I can give them, all right? But, but let me say this. That song embodies something that you don't want to embrace as a Christian, all right? The idea is you're not supposed to do things your way. You're supposed to do them God's way, all right? And uh, you may remember in 2 Samuel chapter 6, they, they, they had this idea of how to get the Ark of the Covenant back. Remember that story? And they said, hey, let's do it a new way. And someone died as a result. Remember that? Now, you may go, what's the big deal? Here's the big deal. When you do things your way without asking God what his way is, it can cause trouble. And when it comes to the subject of music, far too often, it's just like, well, I don't, you know, I'm just, I'm just doing what I do. It's what I like. Without ever stopping going, okay, Lord, what is your feeling on this? What is your thought on this? What is your way of dealing with this? Saul, we talked about this recently, spared the best instead of doing it God's way. What did Cain do? He brought of the fruit of the ground. Can you remember Cain? He got mad. He got mad at God when God didn't accept his worship. But God was clear with Cain and said, look, man, I, I don't li- that's not what I want. I don't like that. That doesn't work for me. Hey, listen, if it doesn't work for God, it shouldn't work for us. And you know what C- Cain did? He goes, well, you ought to take whatever I bring you. That was his attitude, and it got him into trouble. And when it comes to this subject, it shouldn't just be, well, Lord, you should just take what I bring. It should be, God, what do you want? Lord, what, what, what do you feel worships you? Lord, what is a blessing to you? Doing it your way because you feel good about it, because it feels right, doesn't mean it. Let me ask you, those of you that are post 30 years of age, are there any things that felt right when you were 15 and 16 that you look back and go, that was dumb? All right, maybe even five minutes after you did it. Anybody, anybody? All right, so, so doing it your way doesn't mean it's right. Just because it feels good in the moment doesn't mean it's right. You have to go, okay, Lord, again, I'm not going to do it my way. I want to do it yours. And I'm going to end with this thought. We will not be able to get into all of it, all right? But I, I want to explain this. The second most powerful being in the universe is a musical being. And I want to I kind of end with this thought, all right? And the question is, is music moral or amoral? All right, let, let, me, let me give you a for instance. Is the letter A... A good letter or a bad letter? Bad, right? There's no moral quality to the letter A. But I could start adding some letters up here. Do you understand? All right, so the combination of things makes it bad. So you have to understand that, that music itself is very similar to that. We're going to get into the components of music, but I want you to understand first and foremost and I got a lot of notes up here, and I won't get through all of it, no doubt. Uh, but uh, I want you to go to Job chapter 38. Job 38. Here we got eternity past. Here we got eternity in the future. You know what's going on in eternity in the future? Worship. You know what's going on in eternity past? Worship. Let me ask you a question. Uh, if you're saved, will you be out here? Okay, you'll be worshiping the Lord. You'll be involved in that. Let me ask you this. Were you here in eternity past? No. But guess what was there? Music. Uh, look at Job chapter 38. Job 38. We'll look at this a little bit more again next week. Job chapter 38. The music was there before you were, so that tells me music wasn't made for you. Music was made for the Lord. Uh, look at Job 38. Look, if you would, at verse number uh, 7. Now, look at the con- if you look at the context, you know what, what the Lord is talking to Job about? Job got real big in his britches. He goes, you know what? 
I'm going through all this trouble. I wish God would show up. I give him a piece of my mind. God shows up, and Job's like, ah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And the Lord goes, hey, hey, son, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you when I flung the stars into it? Where were you when I spoke the universe into existence? And Job shut his mouth. But I want you to know that when the Lord points back to eternity past and he talks about the, the creation and the initial creation there, uh, look, if you would, at Job 38 and verse number 7. When the morning stars, those are angelic beings, another Bible study for another time, you can read about that in Revelation as well. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for what? Glory. Now, Adam wasn't there. Adam had not yet been created. All right, Adam is the last of all the creation, so he could not have been there. Man was not there. And yet, there was music going on before man. Now, now who is leading the choir? Go back to Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel chapter 28. Toward the right, toward the end of the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter 28. To state that music is amoral is a symptom of our society. Everything's amoral in our society. Sex is all moral. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're married or not. Uh, uh, money, no, 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 it's just whatever you want. Pick your own way, choose your own thing, find your own truth, which is just a bunch of garbage. Because then you go to court and like, we want the truth. Well, my own truth is that I live on the planet Melmac and I eat cats and I, all right, if you got the ALF reference, some of you that remember the 80s, all right? Uh, but but you, they want to know the truth. But then the, whole, but the same people that say, want to know the truth, tell you out there, there's no way you can know truth. A bunch of garbage, <laughs> There is such a thing as absolute truth, and it's found in God. <laughs> Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Look at Ezekiel chapter number 28. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'm going to just skim over this. We will get into more of this next Wednesday night. But look, if you would, Ezekiel 28 and verse number 2. Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, thus saith the Lord God, because thine heart is lifted up, pride, pride, We'll look at this next week in Isaiah 14. And thou hast said, I am a what? Who said that? Lucifer did. I sit in the seat of who? God. In the midst of the seas. Yet thou art a man. This is a reference to not just Tyrus, but the devil that was in him. And it's also a reference prophetically to the Antichrist. Yet thou art a man and not God. Though thou set thine heart as the heart of God. Now watch this. It gets real interesting real quick. Behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they can hide from thee. With thy wisdom and with thine understanding, thou hast gotten thee riches and hast gotten gold and silver into thy treasures. By thy great wisdom and by thy traffic hast thou increased thy riches and thine heart is lifted up because of thy riches. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast set thine heart as the heart of God, Behold, therefore, I will bring strangers upon thee, so on and so forth. Now, now, look at this again one more time in verse number 12. Look, at, He's talking to the same guy, but he's not just talking to this guy. He's talking to the devil in this guy. And look what he says here. Thus saith the Lord God, thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect and beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Pause. Time out. Genesis. Go back in your mind to Genesis chapter number 3. Who was in the garden of Eden? Adam. Eve, God, and who else? This ain't talking about Adam. It's not talking about Eve. It's not talking about the Lord. The Lord is speaking right now. That leaves you with one character. So whoever he's talking to, he's talking to the, the, the devil essentially, and you're going to see that the, the name given him prior was Lucifer. Look what he says here. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. 
the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx. He was beautiful. But then look at the latter half of that verse. The workmanship of thy what? Tabrets. And of thy what? Pipes. You know what that is? That's musical instruments. Was, you know what they say when someone sings really well? Man, he's got pipes. Where does that come from? Right there. Thy pipes was prepared in the, in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. I don't have time to go into this now. I'll go into it next week. But here's what I want you to understand. I'll give you the synopsis real quickly, all right? The synopsis is this. Uh, there are four beasts that are mentioned. You have the lion, the calf, the man, and the eagle. In Revelation chapter 4 and Ezekiel chapter 1, there's one, uh, one of these that, and by the way, the number five in your Bible is the number of death. The fifth one is missing. It was the anointed cherub. And you know what's missing? The serpent. Well, he shows up in the garden. And that one's missing. You say, why? You know what you had? You had the throne of God, all right? We're just going to call this a throne because the pastor can't draw, all right? And, and you know what you had? You had the choir being led by Lucifer, and he was the anointed cherub that covered what? He covered the throne of God. And as he covered the throne of God, as the choir leader in heaven and eternity passed, he had the musical instruments in him, and as he's leading that, he starts thinking to himself, I kind of like this. And all that praise and adoration is being directed to the throne right there, to God himself. Why can't I have that? And that was his downfall. But what you need to get a hold of is this. He had musical instruments built into him. You're going to tell me Satan doesn't care about music? You're going to tell me when he wants and craves worship that God should deserve, that God deserves and God merits? You're going to tell me Satan has no interest in this subject at all? You can't with a straight face say that. Music is not amoral because there's moral quality to it because the very person that was given music to worship God is the devil himself. doesn't mean all music is bad. What it means is he has a hand in it. And if you completely ignore that, you're doing yourself a disservice as a Christian. One more verse, Isaiah chapter 5, and we'll close for the evening. Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. A quick service. Those that have children that get up at 2 in the morning probably don't feel that way, but I appreciate the word of encouragement. Amen. You have it. You have it on record, folks. Someone said this was a quick service. Everybody needs to clap. There we go. Yay! Clap. Oh, that was weak. That was awful. Isaiah chapter 5. Look, if you would, at verse number 20. Isaiah 5, verse 20. Woe. Watch out. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. You know what the Lord's saying there? This idea of awe morality. You know, you know, what, an, you know what a theist is? I'm not going to room up here. You know what a theist is? They don't necessarily believe in Jesus Christ, but they at least believe in God. Theos, that's a Greek word for God, transliterated into English. A theist, theology, the study of God. So what is an atheist? Someone that believes in no God. So you know what, someone that, that says music is amoral, you know what that means? Oh, there's no moral quality whatsoever. Well, I wouldn't say that. Music has moral quality. It doesn't mean it's all bad, but for you to ignore that it has moral quality is a foolish statement. Because God himself designed it for his worship 
The devil stole that worship, and to this day, do you know what he wants from you, from your life? He wants worship. Um, there are songs and music that's played today to appeal to young people with a message like this. You only have one life. Do what you want. You don't think the devil's behind that? You listen to that so much for, for a majority of your youth, you know what you'll eventually do? You'll start living that way. And when you're 30, you'll have the scars for it. But they don't tell you that in the song, do they? And by the way, anybody ever look at the 20-somethings that sing those songs and look at them when, they, when they're 50? Oh, yeah, they might look nice if they have plastic surgery, but look at them when they're 60 and 70. Compare that to a Christian that walked with God every day of their life. Two different views, two different outlooks. You say, why? I'm not saying it's all music, but that has a part in it. So, so Christian, have some discernment about you. Understand that music is not completely amoral. The devil's interested in it. God desired to be a part of your life, to be a blessing to you, to worship him. But let's not ignore that, that for us to say there's, there's no light, there's no darkness, there's no good, there's no bad, terrible way to, Christian, to live the Christian life. Why? Because you are to prove what is acceptable unto the Lord. Let's stop there. Let's all stand. Lord, thank you for the night. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity just to skim the surface. Lord, we haven't gone in all of this quite yet, just starting off. And Lord, I pray that you'd give us at least, Lord, if nothing else, the desire to know you better, the desire to learn your word better, and Lord, the desire to have some sense of discernment in our lives where we don't just walk right into things and, and pretend like there's no moral consequence at all. And Lord, when it comes to this subject, God, would you, would you help us to bring things, Lord, not just as it relates to music, but just the things that we bring into our hearts and into our minds and into our, our lives, Lord, that those would be things that reflect the gospel. Those would be things that make you smile, Lord, things that, that, that are a blessing to you. Lord, we love you. Thank you for giving us this night together, Lord. Be with all those that are struggling with health issues, Lord, all those that are heading out of town or are out of town right now. Lord, the young people that are going to Florida, give them a good time there, Lord. I pray you keep them safe. And Lord, let them come back with a, a renewed sense of purpose for their walk with you. And Lord, let them bring a little bit of that fire here. We wouldn't mind that at all, Lord. We love you. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thanks for being here tonight.